You're listening to the Light Overtime Podcast, Season 2, with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. It is February 11th, 2024. We took a little time off, but we're here, and it's beautiful. How are you, David? I'm cold. I'm good. Um, I'm different. How are you? Great. Uh, It's actually fairly warm this week, so it's been a reprieve from the hellish landscapes we've had. It was negative 30 a couple weekends ago, so... My car was stuck to the ground. Um, it was not great. <laughs> I didn't oh. love it. So, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, on my end, um, things are very different. And I think most of this show is going to be just a very authentic catch-up for, for me and you. Because we've done a lot of things. I think you've done you've done a trip or two or something since we last saw each other. Um, yeah. So... What 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 have you what 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 you, what you been doing? What you been doing, man? Uh, so it, it basically hit the ground running. Um, what have I done? So many things. So I went out to Las Vegas for a week for work. Uh, basically, a big convention, uh, industry convention. Did parties. Did uh, showroom floor stuff. Did a bunch of things. That was pretty wild. Uh, don't love Vegas. So that was a work thing. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So not a whole lot of shooting, but you know, I had the camera and I took a couple of photos here and there. Um, I don't like Vegas. Vegas is not for me. Um, Fremont Street was kind of cool, but like only to go see it real quick and then leave. Uh, wasn't the vibe. Um, I haven't been shooting as much as I would like to, but my studio is done at work, and we're starting YouTube on uh, for my work. So. Okay. That's like taking a decent amount of my time now. Um, we'll be working on kind of series stuff for actually shooting on the range. And then we're going to be doing a bunch of like tutorial stuff inside the studio. The studio is very cool. So you've, you've got two videos out, right, for that? Uh, we have a couple. I put one out Friday. Um, I thought you put a new one out. I didn't realize that that was like on the clock work stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is, That's cool. this is like we're trying to figure out what makes the most sense to um, have – like edutainment content that will help grow the brand and then get new customers and then kind of help market some of our new products that will be coming out soon. Um, Instagram and Facebook meta, uh, the overarching meta and some other things. They're not super friendly with advertising in the firearm space. So like we kind of get SOL all the time. Like I lose my ability to stream on Fridays on Instagram often. Um, so I haven't been able to do that for like five weeks and I just was able to do it for the first time in a long time Friday. Um, so it's, it's constantly working around trying to not like, uh, sell things in those spaces that are, you know, regulated and whatnot. So we don't get banned. And if our stuff gets kind of flagged, uh, we can potentially lose our ability to post and do other things or hopefully not, but our actual Instagram account could be banned. Um, so that's really annoying, but, uh, as far as the YouTube stuff goes, uh, we're not necessarily looking to get it monetized because monetization for that kind of content is also really challenging. But it's uh, it's definitely a challenge for me to be kind of still a solo shooter, um, shooting shooting and uh, figuring it all out. So that'll be kind of pretty heavy this year for me. Yeah. So aside from Vegas and then starting up some new processes at work, did you take any other trips for yourself? Uh, I'm trying to remember if I did or not. Did I? I don't think I did. I've been. I couldn't remember if you had or if you had a couple planned that you 
because oh, you went to um, uh, Arizona, but before we yeah 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 that was before we finished last season. So yeah, um, I've, that's what I'm remembering. I've been kind of moving around a lot right now, and uh, I'm seeing someone for the first time in a long while. So that's been taking up a decent amount of my time, um, but mm-hmm. all good. And then I do have Paris and London booked. Nice. For that'll be end of March, first week of April, and then wow, that's soon. Yeah, that's very soon. And then May first through twelfth, I'm going to Korea. So I didn't know about the Paris London. How how soon did that come up for you? Uh, plan? I had kind of started talking about it in the fall or whatever. I can't remember if I brought it up. You? I think oh. yeah, it was one of my three trips, but I didn't have a whole lot of info and I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. Ah. So basically, it's something that my mom wants to do for her 55th birthday. Um, so yeah, I'll be going with her to Paris first. Um, she wanted to spend her birthday in Paris and then, uh, we're going to go to London for a few days. It's not going to be a super long trip, but I think she and I are just going to shoot a ton. Um, it's just going to be photography and like people watching and seeing old stuff and drinking a lot of coffee. Um, cause I think bread and coffee is all I want to do in Paris. (laughs) Like, I don't know why I would do anything else. Um, (laughs) so that's going to be a lot of that part of the trip, but, um, we'll go to the Eiffel tower and we'll go do one of those fancy dinners and stuff like that. Um, and just kind of do stuff that I probably wouldn't normally do, but I also, while I think it's going to be really cool and exciting, I never really had a strong like desire to go to Paris or London myself. Um, so it'll challenge me in kind of a lot of ways, but my mom's a photographer. Uh, she does it kind of hobby stuff, but she's also done like family portraits and things like that. And she recently got a Canon R10. Um, yeah. And so I've actually, I took some photos and a couple of B-roll shots. I'm working on a video just kind of showing how, like, where we've come with cameras. Um, I'm going to kind of take an angle from the um, 5D Classic and the R10, which is like the lowest and what was the highest end cameras from Canon yeah, um, and how much better their worst camera is. It's not their worst, but I don't think the R100 is very fair because that's like super, super consumer camera. I think the R10 is like the lowest. You're actually probably trying to get like jobs and stuff and like work with the camera. Um, I would watch that video though. That sounds really interesting. I'm doing that and I'm trying to source like a iPhone 4G or something as well. Um, to compare it to my current iPhone and do it from like both ends. Um, but, yeah. but I might, I might not even use the iPhone. I might use like my old droid bionic or something <laughs> just like what those photos looked like in even 2010 versus what they look like now. Um, yeah, come a long way. So yeah, I've been doing that. Um, trying to get, uh, into some things, but before I get into that, what is, uh, what have you been up to that you're willing to share? Let's start with uh, oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much everything. So the last time we talked, we were, we were, we were I think, maybe packing. I think it was packing. Yeah. We were packing. Uh, so we packed. We moved. Uh, and I'm in the new house. The new, the, the new house, which is 120 years old. Uh, it's got its quirks. It's lovely. Uh, we are really enjoying being in it. Um and I am a 26 minute drive from my new job. I'm no longer self-employed. I work for Dead River Coffee. I'm the coffee roaster there. And it's been awesome. Nice. I have really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the owner there, she bought the place uh, about three years ago now. And she's great. She's like my age, which is really awesome. So we connect pretty easily. 
Uh, the baristas, we have, um, I think, four on staff. They're all fun, fantastic. They're really, um, they really like to learn. So everything I've been able to bring to the table at Dead River Coffee has been really well received. And there's a lot of things that I needed to learn about operation for a cafe, how to roast for operations for a cafe, uh, and then how to handle bigger accounts. Um, so we, it's, it was really, for me, first, my first week was like barely touching anything, even though I did start roasting day two, but barely touching anything, not making any suggestions whatsoever, but like totally absorbing. I was a sponge, just observe everything. Because I do, I did want to like come up with plans and suggestions, and but I wasn't going to be the person that just comes in and says you're doing it all wrong, right. and let me fix you. Because there really, honestly, wasn't a whole lot to fix, but there was so much room to grow. So I needed to observe where the uh, efficiencies were a little deficient and see where I could help with that. And then we honestly are just like, like the lights are on now, and we we're starting to get bigger accounts than we've ever had. I've only been on for two months now, but um, it's been just awesome. So I'm roasting on uh, a five kilogram and a 10 kilogram machine. And that compares to my bullet, which was a one kilogram machine. So effectively I've kind of 10 X my scale of production. And so we've gone from me using the bullet for production at one kilogram to supply like 30, 40 pounds of coffee a week for farmer's markets or whatever. So now I can bang out 150, 200 pounds of coffee in a couple hours on the 10K. Um, and I need to on the weekly for our like wholesale accounts, we supply uh, the Marquette Food Co-op. Um, and then we just got another big account, which isn't public yet, but it will be very soon. But they've already committed to even more than the co-op is taking on. That's and awesome. that's going to be sick. Yeah. So... 10x my scale of production, um, and it's been awesome learning the ins and outs of the difference of things like working with an electric roaster and then moving up to gas roasters, especially moving to two gas roasters, one of which is like 25 years old and one of which is like five years old. And so like the 25-year-old one is real finicky um, and acts differently than the than the 10K, the, the, you know, the newer one. They're both the same manufacturer. So they're both Ambex machines, but one is just real shiny and new and works the way it should. (laughs) And the 5K is like, okay, I can't do things exactly the way it should be done, but we can get the job done. And that one is the one that operates inside the cafe, the 5K. And so essentially it doesn't really need to be operated anymore. But we do it because um, the atmosphere, the environment, it's a really cool thing to do inside a cafe to have people come in, have coffee. The place is just buzzing all the time. When the roaster's on, nobody's whispering. No one's like, you know, it's not – that shop is never dead quiet. That's cool. And so when the roaster's on, everything's alive. Even when the roaster's off, people are coming up. You know, I'm always helping people grab beans and talking to them about the process and – it's just, I don't know. It's just been awesome. So everything that I was doing at farmer's markets, conversing with people about coffee, teaching and educating, I still do all that stuff and it's awesome. Um, I've just been exposed to a lot more operations that were outside of the scope previously. So cafe and wholesale and shipping online, which I can do now, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, That's sick. Man. And I'm not like, I don't just follow procedure. I have, um, I'm able to give input and it's well-received like, 
I came in and I tasted everything as fast as I could. Um, and there were a couple of the coffees uh, that I thought could use some adjustment. Sure. And it was always, yeah, let's hear what you have to say and let's try it. And some of them not as well received as previously, like to where I would make an adjustment, we'd taste it and we'd go, mm, that didn't quite work out right. And we'd all maybe agree. And then another one where um, our monsoon Malabar, we it had been roasted to a certain almost light roast like on the lighter side of medium and it tasted the description on the website was like musty old book like reading like smelling a musty book and i never liked that description however once i tasted it i was like oh shit it makes total sense um but ever since then i've been roasting that bean ever so slightly more dark because i've had monsoon malabar before it's an india coffee and i've always thought it it, it is true to itself, a little more authentic to its origin as more of like a almost mid-dark rather than a mid-light-ish thing. Sure. And so it's got a little bit more robustness now. Um, not quite roasty tasting, but I think it's a little bit better. The baristas agree. The owner doesn't quite agree. Uh, Sloan doesn't think it's as good as when it started, but she's a little bit, um, uh, I would say... She conceded on that one. Sure. And so we're having fun. And what's awesome is they never were really tasting and doing journals like I, I do for like I was doing. So I got everyone to get the these coffee tasting journals. Now we're all doing taste notes. We're all doing taste wheels. So we're all making like observations about every coffee every day as much as we possibly can. Sure. Um, so everything's going to get better and better and better. And we're all going to get better about talking about coffee. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> right. All of this stuff, this coffee related stuff has grown into my day to day job. Now I am, uh, I'm not hourly. I'm just always on. Basically I have weekends off, but if something goes wrong, I'm like kind of at the ready to go fix some shit, but I haven't had to really do that. I did it like once or twice, but every Friday I'm like making sure that everything's stocked up well, Baristas don't really need anything uh, as far as like beans. And I got, I make sure like my accounts are taken care of for the weekend. And then I know I might have to be a little heavy on Monday, but weekends are generally free. And that's where I'm going to attempt to try to maintain my photography through the year. Um, so we're, we're moved in jobs going well. And I guess we can move on a little bit. That's what, that's what I've been up to. That's awesome, man. That's really exciting too. Cause like, your growth with the uh, the farmer's market was kind of a lot. Like it was incredible. It was like kind of chill, then it got good. And then it was like, you were the, the big guy, right? You were the dude doing the coffee thing. And I knew there was probably something in you that was really nervous that some of the good from that would kind of not like present itself quick enough. Like that would be hard. Cause I know how you are. Like you just, you get really excited about it. And if somebody else is excited and wants to learn, you're just like, you're there, right? So. Uh, yeah. That makes me happy to know that you're able to do that still because I know how crazy I would go if I lost like one of the social components that I was like looking forward to like every week or whatever. So, hell yeah. No, it only amplified. I'm now a little bit more surrounded by coffee nerds, which is just fucking cool. <laughs> Heck yeah. Love to see it. Um, I did see that you went out today. So what did you get out yeah. to try to shoot? <laughs> Tell me about that. Um. Honestly, it was just me forcing it because I just haven't given myself the time. We've had a bit of a, I would say, not the easiest transition moving. Uh, you know, just like 
getting kids in school, new school, getting things settled in with like doctors and appointments and all this stuff. So I've not really been able to just like, Hey, I'm going to go out for a couple hours, uh, you know, and then make, I haven't been able to make that time for myself, but today was that day I was going to do it yesterday. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> I went out for the first time in, in, oh, I think two, two months. It, it has, I mean, I haven't since, since we moved and I've been here since mid December. So I took everything, the 20 mil, the 50 mil, the 150 to 600, um, packed it all up. And I think I allowed myself like about three hours if I needed it. Sure. What I realized when I got out there, and this happens sometimes in the middle of winter on hike type shoots where it's dead quiet. There's no wind. Uh, the light was good. Like it was like blue sky. And then by the end of it, it was starting to get golden hour. But what I realized, which I've come across before, is just like, I'm not necessarily not inspired, but I'm actually just enjoying being there rather than trying to force photos to become, to, to exist, you know? Sure. So I think I shot like 15 shots. I did have some like soft goal in mind where I understood the conditions there was no birds. There was no animals. Um, the land, I was in, you know, hardwoods. So kind of not really landscapes to shoot until I got to this one spot. Um, so my goal was to look at details, textures, contrast, and some color stuff. Sure. Uh, and I found a lot of that. One of the cool things about where I've moved to, if, if you've ever visited uh, the Michigan's Upper Peninsula, the further north and west you go, so closer to Lake Superior and just as far west as you can make it, the geology gets more diverse and more interesting. Um, and there's some elevation. So there's just lots of rocks with lots of lichen and cracks and vertical lattices and structure and lots of detail to look at. Um, so I found that with rock faces. And then I found lots of ice formation stuff, which for February should just be packed down with snow, but we have very little snow. Mm. Um, so I found lots of ice on the trail where there was water runoff. And it seemed, it's like, it feels like early December because there's, there's still running water yeah. down the trail with, you know, the ice formations that would typically happen as the transition from fall to winter begins, but we've had very little real winter. So I was able to photograph some ice formations, some geology type stuff, details. And then I got to where I wanted to get to, which was this overlook point. Um, the recreate it's a Al Qual recreational park. I think it's called, um, I'm going to go back there a lot because that, uh, that overlook was like five minutes from where I was. Um, I think in fall, it would be fantastic. And then there's other areas of that recreational area that I think would have better, uh, viewpoints for things like Northern lights and Astro sure. where I was, was facing Teal Lake looking down that Lake was facing to the East. And so I think the, the, uh, Milky way would line up pretty well over the Lake in the middle of summer and then uh to the east sunrises and then even sunsets catching color on the other side so that could be a great spot for any other thing other than northern lights but i'll i'll explore that there was a lot more trail system that i didn't have time to get to 
But yeah, I shot for the first time today. Took a, probably a dozen, no, probably more like a hundred shots because I took a bunch of stuff with the ice. Um, so I'm excited to sit down for the first time in a long time and just like look at stuff. I don't know if any of it's worth posting. I might just do like a, a quick carousel post on Instagram uh, for some of the ones I like the best. But um, it just felt good to be out finally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even just the little bits of Instagram story, it was good to see the the David Sergeant Photography page have some photography on it for a minute because it was like, it was really good for a little while. Then it got like a little rocky and it was really coffee And then yeah. it was like... <laughs> <laughs> I know it trust me it weighed on me I, I don't know if you most content creators probably get like this anybody who even just enjoys as has a hobby if they want to do something as far as making that content or whatever uh, but just like life gets in the way that is just an extra weight right yep. until you finally either force yourself to do it or you give yourself that time at an appropriate time that weight just gets lifted right. so I feel a whole lot better after that yeah yeah, yeah for sure that's awesome um, as far as shooting for me, um, I haven't done a ton of it. Uh, that's not work related. Um, work related stuff has been good. Um, we're looking at some different products that'll push us into different parts of the market soon. Um, and mm-hmm. so we've been able to do a little bit of like different kind of shooting. Um, I found that it's just kind of, it should be illegal for me not to use my 70 to 200 at least once a week because I'll go several (laughs) weeks without having the 70 to 200 and then I'll do just like 15 images where I just like, yeah, let's throw it on there. And I'm like, those, those are 15 good images. (laughs) Like all 15 of them chef's kiss. Like, so that's been really interesting. Um, I've been, I don't know. I've been, contemplating being way more organized about a lot of parts of my life. And then I'm to the point now where I want to be more organized about kind of what I want to make. And it's become clear to me that if I don't actually try and goal set and like actually like write down the things that I'm trying to do, I'm just never going to do them. And I was never really like a, like a calendar or planner guy. I was never really like a, you know, I, I was always just like vibing like that. <laughs> like if the vibes were right, Corey was doing it. And uh, so like I'm on notion calendar now and I'm trying to like get the things that I need done in there and I'm doing a lot more task lists. I'm trying to use other tools that I'm like playing with tools right now to figure out what works for me really well. Um, and then I got, I've always been interested in Daniel Milner, who I've talked about on here before, uh, Shifter Media. Um, He always talks about his journals. And his journals are really, really artistic, and they're just for him. They're not something that he publishes or anything like that. But over the years, he's, like, showed a page or something from them. And I've always really admired that, like, he'll get, like, a Xerox print of one of his photos, and he'll, like, glue stick it into, like, a centerfold. And then he'll write over the photo and he like really goes kind of like, it's like Pinterest is hell, but for somebody like him who isn't like Pinteresty social media E it's like truly a thing that he just does for himself and he doesn't like post it out anywhere online and nobody gets to see it. Like I went, I think there's a part of my creativity being like, I used to want to be an illustrator when I was a child 
Like I used to like fill up sketchbooks. There's like something that I'm not doing by not putting pen on paper more. And everything I do is just like notes on my phone, notes on my computer, things for work. And so even taking notes from like, I was helping somebody with a letter that they were trying to write for grad school or something. And I was looking at it in like Google docs or whatever. And I just grabbed like a, a legal pad and I started writing all my notes on it. And I just sent, took a photo of it and sent them the <laughs> the freaking photo of the legal <laughs> pad. And I was like, these are my notes for your thing. Hopefully it helps. Nice. And it was really helpful for them, but it changed the way that I like interacted with my thoughts on the, the letter. And so I went out and I got, uh, maybe I'll just like put it up on the screen. I got like a 12 pack of these like five inch by eight inch, like craft paper covered plain paper journals. And I think there's like 60 pages each. I started one at Jaegerworks for like my work stuff, um, notes about creativity, things that I want to do. And I'm just going to like start filling it with stuff. And it's like my 2024 <sighs> journal. And then I want one for just like photography. And then I want one for YouTube. And mm. maybe I'll do one that's just like a personal thing. And it's actual thoughts and feelings like journaling and diary ing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I think that without properly beginning to break down the things that I want to do, set goals, write it down and keep myself accountable for those things, I'm just I'm literally going to let so many things never happen. And it's like, well, what am I doing today? You know, you have an amount of things that you want to get done for the weekend, but then your buddies are like, hey, let's play like Counter-Strike. And then you do that for four hours. And then you go hang out with your partner or whatever, and then you get dinner and go to bed. And you're like, wow, for four hours, I could have done like three different things mm -hmm. instead of just like saying, whatever, dude, that's energy, and then like mindlessly play games. So... That's a huge thing that I'm going to do for this year. And I, I kind of want to, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily talk about it with you here or if I'm going to do some content on YouTube about it. But I think I want to try to explore what that looks like, um, get more in tune with like physicalness um, and then be able to try to get my thoughts down, not in technology and see if it, if it's better. I don't know. Yeah. That's awesome. I, 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 and starting this new job, um, it's funny because my boss is not a, like a digital. She does not like putting notes in a in her phone. She definitely writes things on pen and paper. I've taken to doing that a lot more at work. I have a paper journal. Um, it's everything I plan to do that day, everything that happened that day that I might need to recall, and I have had to recall quite a few things that I am so grateful that I wrote those things down for. Things that I just. I think actually would just suck to take my phone out and try to record like what, what I needed to do and what, what had happened. Um, but on paper, it is just kind of easier sometimes. Right. So I've gotten to be doing that. And you saying this out loud makes me think if I do this for my creative outlet stuff, photography, and then maybe even my YouTube channel as well, I think maybe it would help me grant myself that time, right? right. Like put it on paper and go actually think, can I spare two hours to try to do this, uh, you know, Saturday or Sunday? And if not, write it out like, you know, what what does Saturday look like? This, this appointment, whatever, this appointment. But there's a block. Let's try for it. Maybe if I put it on paper and just try to make it a tangible thing that I can refer to, maybe it would happen more often for me. 
I think I'm going to start doing that too. Yeah. And I just think like, I don't know. Um, I'm to the point, I think like my thirties are probably going to go really hard. Um, based off of how this year is starting and how I'm kind of planning, I think like, it's going to go like, it's like, wow, I'm going to do everything that I wanted to be doing in my twenties, except I have money now. And like, <laughs> like I want stuff for my life. It's not as haphazard. I'm not just like being opportunistic. It's like now I make things happen for myself rather than like get in, find myself getting into cool things. Um, yeah. like, like just saying, screw it. Like I have a salary now I'm going to Korea next year and now it's next yeah. year and that's in two months. And it's like, dude, I'm going to freaking Korea for 12 days. Yeah. And yeah. Do you remember, uh, Rufa from your trip up with us? Yeah, to the yeah, workshop? yeah. Um, she works as a farm tech and her schedule is seven on seven off Yeah. and she makes pretty good money. So she takes a trip every seven, almost every seven off. And she's going to Banff uh, in Canada. Nice. For the and actually, she's packing right now to go do that. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she gets. She went out to uh, California a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that's just awesome. If you have the ability and you have the budget to be able to do these things for yourself, do it while you can. Yeah, for sure. No, I still follow her. Um, I, yeah. I didn't know that she was going to Banff but that that'll be dope yeah. I mean usually it's just like super passive I just see her stuff but yeah um, she came into the shop and got a made me make her a mocha and then um got one of my batteries so she's borrowing some of my stuff to get out there um so I'm excited to yeah. see what she does out there yeah, heck yeah. it's beautiful out there. yeah oh yeah it's like it's like cheat codes right it's like one of the spots <laughs> that I I want to go to still like I don't care that mm-hmm. it's overshot I want to go to Banff I want to go to Iceland I want to like go to some of those places. I don't care that everybody oh, yeah. goes and takes photos. Like I still want to go. Of course. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty dope. Um, as far as goal setting goes, um, I think I really have a couple of different things. Um, I want to, obviously I'm tackling a ton of YouTube at work and yeah. I think because I'm going to be kind of living in that a little bit, I want to try and actually get some of my like creative ideas down for my YouTube channel. Whether that be doing my a series stuff again, whether that be doing my actual like nerdy camera stuff, um, but I'm just gonna do like when I feel like making a video, I'm gonna make a video on my channel, and it's gonna get on there, and we're gonna see what happens. Um, as far as my travel, um, I've been consuming a little bit of street photo content, um, mainly because like I want to see what people are doing, um, so I can try to like find what i think is actually compelling because like when i see when i think of street photography i think of like three photos and (laughs) and it's the same type of photo that i've seen taken a million times it's like people in a crosswalk um from like a fast angle like they're on the sidewalk but the person that is in the photo is on the crosswalk or the straight up or the straight on like right across the street there's like somebody that's busily going to work or it's like somebody at a shop or somebody doing something in the street that's interesting. It's always the same thing. And I never see, um, and maybe it's because I'm not looking for like photo stories. I'm not looking for sets. I just like, I see so many of these like banger images that aren't bangers at all. They're just like heavily edited. So I want to try to tell stories and I want to try to find ways to make street photography interesting to me. Um, so that doesn't mean I don't care how it does on Instagram or whatever the hell I want to make images that I would call definitively street photography that aren't garbage. 
Um, and then it brought me to a thing that I noticed that I really don't like on Instagram. And there's a lot of people that'll put like an 85 or like a 70 to 200 on their camera. And then they do these Instagram reels where they're like taking photos. It's not even street photography. It's like unwanted portraits of people walking in the street. And I really, really hate it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like it's like the people are aware and they don't like that their pictures being taken. Is that no, what you no, no, no. So they, they become aware that a photo was just taken of them and it, it's yeah. one way or the other, if they care or not, but it's not set up to like show the space. It's not what I would call definitive street photography. It's like tight. It's oh. usually like, it's like stealing people's images. Basically. It's like, yeah. I'm stealing images of humans and they just do like a reel where it's like they show like video and then the photo video and the photo and they'll do that like 10 times and it's like literally just stealing these portraits of people in the street and for some reason and i don't know why it makes me mad i don't know why i feel like it's not okay maybe it's a privacy thing maybe i think it's just like shitty content um because you think it has something to do with like it being shitty a shitty reel that is going to last for like 30 seconds online and then just be forgotten that's what i think i think and i think that there's a there's a place in the world for that type of photography to exist and be appreciated over time right i don't is know i just feel that it's like it's like this is street photography which is fucking not street photography and it's just like i go out with like my a93 that's brand new with a 7200 and it's just like these not good over edited photos of people like candidly in the street like with no environment and like i said it's it's random but i had a strong yeah. emotional feeling the last couple of times i saw them to the point where i was like this is like the fourth time i've seen a video like this and i hate it why do i keep getting reels okay. like this um so you have some emotional direction yeah so for your so i don't know if it's like more if i just think it's morally wrong or if i just think it's morally shit like it's just like Maybe a little column A. A little Look column at how B. good of a street photographer I am, and you're just stealing these like random fucking images. But like, if you take a photo of somebody and they give you like a nice little smirk or a smile on a at 200 mil on a 70 to 200 on any Sony body, and you edit it, it's gonna look nice. The quality yeah. is high, but the image isn't yeah. good. Um, but it's like obviously, you can go out on the street in New York and make 50 of those in one hour. And then just like pump them into Instagram and then you have like 10 million subscribers or followers or whatever the hell. And they're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, dude, like it's beautiful street photography. And uh, all you really did was showcase the the lens. Right. Yeah. You know, what the lens is capable of. And I just think it's to the point where I just don't care. I just don't care about photo content, which is weird because I want to yeah. make some photo content. But like I want to figure out how to make photo content that actually provides value because like that doesn't provide any value and i think it's just weak and boring um because like you didn't try you just like were like i'm just gonna snap with a gopro on every single photo of a person walking down the road i'm gonna put it in a reel and now it's gonna get like thirty thousand views for no reason i think the the one thing i can refer to which is my only real recent experience with um street photography is my time in new orleans where some of my most favorite images are me enveloping myself in the environment and trying to be a part of what was going on sure. and like and engaging with people and allowing them to accept me in their space, sure. me being in the coffee shops. Um, I actually asked a few people for their portrait um, in Jackson square, just cause I was like, Hey, um, I'm a photographer. 
I like your look. Can I take your picture? And they usually, I, I don't, I didn't get anyone who told me no. They were all really happy to be asked and they gave me great portraits. Um, there was a couple other photographers who I thought, oh, this is just us connecting. And I asked them and they were like real cool with it. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's part of it. There was a couple like, um, you know, the um, second line stuff that was going on outside of our apartment down there. I actually was in it you know, trying to groove with them a little bit. And everybody who was dancing around me was real cool with me being there. Not that you, they could hear me if I asked, but they were very aware of me and very okay with it type of thing. Yeah. And I was using, you know, I think between the 20 and the 50 at the time. So, you know, not super far away, not trying to like steal anybody's image from a hundred feet away. You know, I was actually inside of what was trying to go on. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it exactly, but I know that I don't, I didn't like those things. Um, and I also sure. obviously hate that stupid trend where it's like, uh, hey, I'm a photographer, blah, blah, blah. And it's like half of them are staged. Like half of them are like, you know, this person and you walk up and they're like, yeah. oh, hey, yeah, you can do that. And then it's like some trendy like music audio and it's like three photos of a person. Like I do not go looking for reels on my photography Instagram anymore for that reason. Yeah, because they just got so mad at those. They're bad. Like they're just not good. They are. Um, and then I realized that it's because I don't care about portrait photography necessarily. Like I like a, I like really good portraits when they're a part of a story. So like sure. just a really banger looking portrait. I was like, oh, duh, because it's not telling me anything. I don't even know who this person is or yeah. care. It's just yeah. like a, a clinical image. It's like a, a sample gallery for like the new the new camera coming out. Like I just this doesn't do shit for me. Who is this yeah, person? Yeah, there's deeper meaning. Yeah, I can see I can see what you're trying to search for. Yeah. And I think there are people who appreciate portraits probably more or differently than you do, but I understand what you're going for. Yeah, right. So like I don't know. I I wanna I wanna stop even slightly contributing to that kind of noise. And I yeah. wanna try and make stuff that is both interesting to me and pushing like my abilities, but also like is if I'm going to post it, if it's for the internet, I want it to like provide some kind of value. I want it to be at least a good story. Like who the hell is this person you're taking a photo of? Why do I give a shit? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to get into like artsy stuff anytime soon. I'm not going to like do shoots to make like stuff look good. Like that's not like, yeah. you know, some of that conceptual stuff is really dope. And I think that energy is really cool, but that's not what I'm looking to do. Like I'm looking to tell yeah. stories more than anything. So I think that's the the pathway for a lot of photographers. You know, starting out, you do a lot of surface level shoots. I think, at least that's the way I started out. I shot with a lot of models. I had ideas that I thought would look cool right. as a photo or a series of photos. Um, I grew out of that over the years. And now I'm looking, just like you, I'm looking for the stories. I'm looking for people who are doing something a little different. I want to take their photo, maybe a series of their photos that add to the context of their life. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I, I think that's going to be paramount for me to really enjoy trying to tell the story of both of my trips coming up. Um, like I want to be able to like potentially journal or make like a short, just travel film for me to look back on or whatever and have some depth to it rather than just like, again, and it's, it's mostly cause I've recognized the faults in my own work over the last couple of years. Like I don't want it to be like cool B roll slammed together with music. Like I want there to, I want to find that stuff. I want to figure out how I can capture it and how I can retell these things and relay them in interesting ways to people. 
And I think, hopefully, if I can figure out how to do that well, and I'm actually genuinely trying and doing it, I'd like to think that it would also do well. So I'd like to share that shit with people. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I want to see it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of like right now my goal setting is that is like how am I actually going to take the images that I care about that aren't bangers? How can I start posting stuff even though it's not a banger and tell stories like more carousels, like more images I can add into a carousel to really tell something rather than like, well, this is the only strong one. So I'm going to post it and be like, hey, cool day. Right. That approach is going to get you to shooting more, too. And that's what I've just had to accept was like today, even if none of the photos that I took are bangers or whatever that is supposed to be, um, I enjoyed myself. And there's a visual representation of me enjoying my time doing that thing. And it's those images and whether they're good or not to anybody else's point of view or even my own, I kind of just want people to see how, how it went. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess in that vein, I did, I did message you like f- 20 minutes before we started, but um, <laughs> yeah. I think beyond you already stating that you're going to try and use your weekends, your newfound weekends to try to, to find a sliver of time to do stuff. Is there, is there any kind of photography that you're like actually looking to get, amongst this year and actually do so yeah so it's really not anything new that i want to try to do necessarily although i'm open to becoming aware of some new interests in in that vein but um it's twofold one i live about 26 minutes 20 let's say 25 minutes away from where i work um I don't live in a town that I used to live in when I was here in 2015. Uh, So there's a lot of area for me to explore as someone who just really enjoys nature photography, landscapes, wildlife, all that stuff, astro. Um, My time, as sparing as it is for photography now, is going to have to be used exploring one weekend to the next to the next. So I am thinking way ahead about like potential workshops. So I need to understand like where it's most popular that people are hiking in versus like hard to get to spots that are actually really valuable. So I need to spend my time actually exploring really meaningful places to explore that are that have big potential. Um, And then I also need to (laughs) make notes for what's what's good for wildlife, because I I almost I was very close to selling my 150 to 600 to help. Um, like moving costs and stuff. Yeah. And my buddy who helped me get that lens in the first place uh, when that came out was like, no, nah, you're not selling that lens. He, he was like, I'm going to help you so you can move. Don't sell that lens. I was like, okay, fine. And so that helped reinvigorate me, my interest in wildlife and just maintain that. And so I'm going to commit to trying to understand the ecology for wildlife in where I live in Ishpeming Um and then on my way to work, I go through Nagani and then into Marquette. So between like all 41, I know that I live pretty close to a larger population of moose. Uh, so there definitely are some animals that I don't have experience with at all uh, that I need to be a little bit more careful because there's more bear up here. Uh, moose aren't friendly either, really. No, they're very <laughs> um, dangerous. <laughs> so there's opportunity for me to be shooting new wildlife. Cool. Um you know, all that said, I am going to be doing a lot of the stuff I was doing. I had some some other uh, areas for things like Northern Lights and stuff that I'd like to revisit because 
really it's been eight years since I was shooting on a D5300 and had just got a D500 before I left this area. And even though the D500 would still be a great camera today, uh, I've come a long way with the technology that has come a long way too. I think I can make some pretty great images yeah. in places that I've already been. So my goals for this year are explore new areas that have high potential and record them and try to make potential workshop ideas out of them and then try to learn wildlife ecology and then revisit some areas that I think I can refine certain compositions at. Sure. That's yeah. I mean, that's huge too. And like the value of those workshops are going to be that you get to be the, the more local fixer than you were in the past. Like you were yeah. like a pseudo local cause you really understood the area and stuff, but your ability to, really take people into places that like you're not just going to google and go find some good stuff you can find some sweet yeah. spots and really really add a ton of value to somebody who wants to go on an adventure like that and just like be the guy yeah. um that's super exciting um yeah i mean you really took advantage of some some killer storms last year in charlevoix so like yeah. being in a place that you love with different like more interesting geology and just like landscapes you're going to be able to take more advantage of that which is exciting because absolutely because your freaking yeah. northern light stuff's going to get nasty but i have an image in my head of me being on top of sugarloaf watching a storm front come in which would be just stupid yeah. right like you shouldn't do that you shouldn't climb sugarloaf knowing that there's probably a dangerous storm coming in but that viewpoint between potential northern lights up there which i would love to get i tried that once and they never showed up the whole freaking night um and then a storm front like a big big old dark cloud bank coming in would be just sick because you see less superior dome you see the bay you see big bay on the other side you see hogs back behind you i would love a big wide shot of just this large looming i mean you can get it with fog banks and those look pretty gnarly too sure. they'd be less dangerous also um but i would love to get up there for some of that storm stuff but then getting back down before the storm actually gets over top that's the key right yeah yeah for sure um but yeah i mean so much opportunity so I, yeah. I'm excited to see um, these episodes will get interesting the more you get to get out. So um, love to see it. I guess uh, we'll we'll work on refining some of that stuff. I'd love to see um, if you end up like charting the wildlife that you do see um, and then, yeah. you know, potentially even doing something where you post what you have seen, what people can track, that kind of thing, because that's super interesting to me. I'd love to see like the yeah. where and what you're actually seeing up there. Uh, as somebody who has yeah. plans to come up and visit the area, um, the the person I'm seeing right now, we're thinking about coming up to Marquette relatively soon. Um, she, cool. She's been up there, and we just want to get like a cool weekend um, where we'll probably find an Airbnb somewhere and just like hang out for a few days. And obviously, I'll hit you up when that happens because we'll do a live. Yeah. Well, I already told her I'll, like we'll do a live episode or something uh, when I come up. Finally, yeah, finally. Yeah. I was hoping to last year and it didn't happen, but we'll make it happen this year for sure. Sick. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens and we'll keep on each other to make sure that we're making cool stuff happen. Definitely. All right. So I have a handful of links here. Um, I want to, I mean, some of this stuff can get really, really nasty. So like, like really in depth, but I think for the main, okay. for the main topic that I wanted to talk about, um, have you seen much of the Apple Vision Pro stuff at all? Um, I saw that it released. I haven't watched reviews because I 
it's one of those things where it's just out of it's not interesting enough for me to even consider it because of the price point type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I have a Quest 2 and I, I, I enjoy it, I think it's cool. The Quest 2 is like a tenth of the price. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? So um, I don't know you know much else other than that it's like spatial computing or whatever Apple says and you can be on your Mac environment inside of it, right? Right. So – it's kind of I've been thinking about it a lot this week. And oh. so it's one of those things that if 13-year-old me saw I would be obsessed with it. Yeah. It Same. it is very potentially one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um there's something so I I made the the link to there's an anime that I watched as a kid called Tenchi Muyo and uh in there there's these like Anyway, this, these couple of girls or whatever have this basically power kind of, and it's really casual. It's not even a big part of the show, but they'll just go like, and then like a keyboard will f- like show up oh. in front of them. And it's just like yeah. hollow lights and a little screen. And they'll just like, and so like seeing the inside of like video editing on an 80 inch screen in front of you in your living room or whatever and like having all your stuff out there's so much of it that i'm just absolutely obsessed with but i watched a couple videos i watched mkbhd's videos i watched a couple of other big ones and then patrick tomaso who i've talked about on this channel a bunch um he made a video on his second channel tomaso and i'll link it um and there was something that he said i wish i wrote down the quote but he was like, and this has been said about other stuff in the past, but for some reason, the way he said it and the way that it hit me in his video was really, really powerful. And it was, there's truly your life before Vision Pro and after Vision Pro. And like the way the tone of the video and how he was talking about it, like he already has it and they've already been doing a bunch of stuff with it. It, it really felt to me like right now I have a choice if I ever want to involve myself in that kind of technology or not. And like, I like VR. I've, I've, I think Super Hot is one of the most fun video games I've ever played in my entire life. <laughs> and like, so, and like, it is fun. And like, and like, I've been, you know, Jack had the freaking uh, Oculus like dev kit millions of yeah. years ago. And I was like able through him to be on like the very front of that technology. You did the same for me. Yeah. It made me aware of that stuff. Yeah. Right. And it was it was such a big deal. And this is different. This isn't just like jumping in a headset to play like some silly video games or something. This is like I can do my productivity in my entire room. It looks incredible. The refresh rate is such that like it's pretty damn clean and it works really well. And I just see these images of these people that are just like... I'll put my hands in the screen, but they're just like, and it just, it's like the most looming feeling I've ever gotten from a launch of anything. And I think it's because Apple did it and it's probably not going to fail that it makes it more real to me because it's not, it's not games. It's not toys. It's like, there's going to be people using this for real stuff. And like the pass through is so good that you can walk around and just exist in VR yeah. and work on stuff. Mm-hmm. And you could be having like, I know right now, if somebody has Apple Vision Pro on, I'm not fucking talking to you. <laughs> I'm not gonna. You can record stuff. You can be looking at things. You can be doing all this. I don't. I don't want to talk to you. 
And I feel like a boomer saying that, but I'm I'm 100% serious. If I'm not also in like Vision Pro and we've like talked about it, if you come up to me in that shit, walk away from me. <laughs> and it's it's so yeah. trippy and so wild. Um, it is, yeah. But <laughs> it, yeah, I I haven't been able to tell. Apple is a company that can make it exist for as long as they want to, uh, regardless of whether it makes the money, at least on the first iteration, right? right? So I'm curious if they continue this. I, I definitely think they are because I it looks to me like more than just the cutting edge people are getting them. It does look like content creators are getting them for productivity rather than for um, the trendy make a video about it thing. So it does look like they've been able to penetrate a market deeper than just the surface level reviewers and stuff. Um, That's, I think, good for the industry on the whole Uh, because I do, I enjoy the VR stuff. I use the Quest for um, like hanging out with a couple people in different environments. Um, I think that's pretty popular for people who have VR stuff. I would go bowling with a couple friends and there's a pretty, pretty damn good bowling game that we enjoyed. Um, but like you said, that is for basically just like playing a couple games and enjoying yourself. Different, very, very different from what I've been seeing people use the, the vision pro for. So I'm excited to see what they end up doing. I have a question. I, I really haven't looked into like the technical use of it. I've just seen people using it basically. Does it have its own hardware in it for you to um, uh, like video edit not connected to a Mac? Somehow that's escaped me because I have I've was so disinterested in that part. I was so interested in just seeing as much inside the helmet as I can. I assume yeah. from a little bit of reading, I think it has to link to your Mac. That's what I would have to think, right? Yep. Because I do I do think it has the M2 chip in it. Yeah, but that's doing a lot of processing. So right. one of the coolest things that it does really well is when you're looking in it, it's not like a perfect field of view. MKBHD says it's a little bit of like a tunnel vision. Like you're looking into a port and then it's pretty wide, but it's still pretty wide. But what's wild is the way they get around like rendering that whole scene of like inside of your room is their eye tracking oh it's foveated rendering that's what that's called right and from what i'm seeing it's so good it's like the best version of that ever and so basically instead of trying to render all that stuff that whole m2 chip is basically just being used for that eye tracking and then but apparently mkbhd says it's so natural feeling that it it rolls off like your peripheral vision. That's wild. <laughs> and because it, it's at 90 hertz, and if you're watching like true 24p content, it'll it'll buff up to 96 hertz. So you're at like an even, you're not going to see drop frames or anything like that. Um, it's like, that's pretty fast. Like that's a really solid refresh rate. If you want to say like watch a movie on a big big screen, does foveated rendering not render parts of that screen if it's big enough? I assume so, but mm-hmm. but I think it's probably good enough. Close to your natural vision, that yeah. like you're gonna look around and your peripheral is gonna be your peripheral. Like you're gonna see what you see. It would kind of like 
be in the front row of an actual movie theater yeah. where you might actually have to turn to look right. at different parts of the like screen. Like you could just that's wild. You could be in the in the sphere in Las Vegas, basically in your living room. You could just <laughs> sphere out and have like the whole you you know you put on like make your freaking whole living room like Dolby Atmos, crank it super wow. loud, and wear your Vision Pro and just be crazy anyway it's I'd, it's wild I'd, I'd, I'd like to experience it um i think mkbhd I, I don't know if i watched his actual first video but he's made reference to the fact that it's called pro on the first yeah. shot and there might be another iteration of it that's not called pro that might be more accessible that one would interest me yeah because i don't think that it would come with anything less than an m2 chip and certain you know hardware I don't think they'd make it significantly worse. Right, you know? right, right. Just some nice-to-haves might be gone. Right, for sure. And I agree. And I was going to bring that up as well. I think that is an interesting thing to at least note. Um, yeah. But it makes you think, what will this look like? What will this ecosystem build into? Well, like, maybe you have Vision Pro, but you don't have full desktop access. Um, yeah. But you have like a, an app suite that works on like a, a smaller version or something. You know, you can speculate for days. But um, Final Cut in the cloud, right? Yeah. Think about it. Just you don't need to buy a Mac anymore. If you spend four thousand dollars on the Vision Pro, you can just be inside the ecosystem and everything is connected to the cloud. I bet you they're on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're already doing. There's so many companies already working on render farming, like having a cloud to render farm and everything like that, that there's yeah. no way that's not happening. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. It was the first time that like I had like a demoralizing like <laughs> feeling about technology other than when I saw Starlink on their first launch because I was in the middle of the desert in Utah. Um, like that was the other time in my life where I was like, this is awful. <laughs> yep. Every time I see Starlink, I think the same thing. Yeah, this for sucks. sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but cool. That was kind of all I had for that. Um, I do think it's super neat. Yeah, yeah, I think it's neat. But I think I'm at a turning point in technology that like, do I want to embrace it further or live the next 60 years of my life or hopefully, you know, 60 years of my life having not succumbed to the metaverse? Right. And we're like, we're going to be at the door soon. Like, it's going to be like, do you do that or not? And I made a joke. I was like, dude, there's going to be people that like, this is going to be the big separation of humans that start like the Android thing that like sci-fi movies have talked about. It's not going to be androids. It's not going to be like, oh, they're like different. It's just going to be people that are super linked in and people that aren't super linked in because it already happens, right? Like this happens in small degrees, but I think those degrees will grow and uh, it'll be something. But all right, I have a couple of rumors I want to talk about keeping keeping our um, I actually played with what our format looked like so much and I like it how it is so much. (laughs) I just want to make sure that I think it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just want to make sure that the the gear talk is just at the end of the videos of the podcast. And I don't want to get into it because I think talking about what we're doing to create and talk about that process and talk about ourselves is probably way more interesting than another group of dudes talking about kit. (laughs) But, uh, so there's three things, um, and we'll kind of just go into them hard and fast. Uh, have you seen the Z six specs? Z six three. Yeah. So there's, is it rumors? It's, it's, it's it's rumors. It's rumors. 
but uh no i haven't seen it at all so i i know not to believe it because we haven't we come up on this a couple times i think the last one was pretty damn close i think (laughs) they were getting they're getting there and this is like this is rough but we're looking at like it says body inherited from the z8 style which i think is the way to go because i'm thinking like the high-end dslr meets the mirrorless is better than what they're doing with the z6 and z7 and i think they've proven that because the freaking z8 is one of the nicest looking cameras i've ever seen in my life um yeah but basically all of the tech which is like the ibis that's super good and like the um you know all the electronic shutter stuff all that stuff but they're talking we're starting to see people talking about different video codecs that are exciting to me talking about 6k oh. 60 talking about 4k 120 and that's going to be normal 6K 60 yeah <sighs> and i could see some of this stuff starting to happen and start to roll out um but two cards let's anyway uh the fact that this is happening um like i think i said with the z8 i'm pretty sure there's going to be a turning point where nikon actually is going to be caught up I think they're working towards it well. I think their lenses suggest that they're in a good place. I think that they're going to be like a really, really viable camera. Um, the the Z8 and the Z9 are just a little expensive for content creators. But when they can get closer to that between two and $3,000 mark, I'm starting to see a few content creators picking up various Nikons. Like content creators I didn't expect to start flirting with the system. And they're like, oh, I'm not switching. But I got one and they're starting to pick up the Z8 because it's a hell of a camera. Some wedding photographer, content creators I've seen, some stuff like that. And it's like, it's because they're really good hybrid cameras with a really hard focus on very good photography. And uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty hard to beat. So we'll see. It could be interesting. Um, I still like the ZF for what it is, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, But certainly there's areas that Nikon's never been anywhere close to the best at that. So they, they have room to grow. So of course, yeah, I'd love to see a Z6 III that had some killer video specs. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, and I think, see if they do it. I think a ZF2 with like a proper updated, like two, maybe two cards, maybe, you know, some, does it already have two cards? I feel like, Oh, it did the, uh, the micro SD. Um, yeah. Like two cards or just like 4K 60 full frame, like really making it so you could just do anything you needed with that one camera. You think they'll do a ZF2? I don't know that they'll do a ZF2, but I think that the ZF is doing a lot better than the ZFC. And be- I don't even know if that's true. I think it is because... I think a lot of people liked them both. Uh, sure, but I'm seeing I'm seeing people in the industry using the ZFC unironically like people people actually going this is the camera i'm taking with me on my trip or whatever the hell and that's i think a lot of professionals were able to see the zf for more than what the zfc was which i think is what they intended to have happen so i don't but i don't know i like we're not in the rooms with them we can't know the numbers i'm hoping that the zf did the numbers to say this warrants a zf2 but how long has it been since the zfc has been out few years you would a few years, you would hope a ZFC two would have come out by now, right? No, no, the ZFC was like four years ago, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You would hope another, a new one would have come out. By oh, now. a ZFC two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you eh, think? No, I don't think. If they don't do a ZFC two, I don't know if they do a ZF two. I think that 
where they can make their market differentiation is in the ZF because you're not going to get a Nikon APS-C over a Fuji. You're not going to do it. I agree. Because in its, in I its, agree. the lenses, because the Z mount doesn't have small, small lenses. It doesn't have like yeah. the, the manual aperture really feeling like you're in a film camera that Fuji does. So the only differentiation is all the people that are like, I want that retro style, but I need a full frame because I've been working in full frame for 10 plus years. And that's, they're going to crush that because a ZF doesn't compete with Fuji. Period. They're not in the same market. So I really do think that they like needed to work up to it and they're, I hope that it goes well. Um, I like that camera. Yeah, I hope it expands. I think the last time we looked at, or the last time I heard how financially Nikon was doing, that they've been on the up. Their expenses are shrinking. Their income is growing a little bit. Uh, so maybe that means that those cameras were doing better than they expected them to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the I think if half of the Z6 III is in the shape of being like a 4K 120 and like a good solid 24 megapixel with all the autofocus features and probably not 120 frames a second, but like for um, stills, but fast. Um, so like be real good. Be a no compromise 24 megapixel camera. I think they're going to be in great shape. You're starting to make that mount seem more serious and that system seem more serious because uh, you need to get that like bomb proof $2,500 camera that people are going to want to take and buy two of and have backups and like run that thing. Um, and I think they're close to that because like the Z8 slams, even with the issues that the Z8 had, it was barely a hiccup. They recalled it. They sorted it out and they're like, this camera is the best camera that we've ever made. Yeah. So, Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone who I've watched as far as like YouTube photographers go who've, who've used the Z8 none of them have a bad thing to say about it truly you know for what they use it for and most of them are very photographer focused but tend to take those cameras and also use them for video to see how they do as well none of them have had a bad thing to say about it for sure um yeah and then uh so the next thing that i had was the 24 to 50 2.8 is allegedly being announced in like three days um so I'm really excited for this camera because it's a G cam, it's a G lens, it's not a GM lens, but it's not like a cheapo lens. Um, I think a 24 to 50. If this thing is somehow sub 1,000, or if it's in that 1099 bracket, the 1098 that they get for those like high end G lenses, depending on the size of a 24 to 528, I could see a fast prime and that being what I take on trips because um, I want some zoom and I almost never need. I either need like a ton of zoom or I just don't. Um, if, if that's the case, what's your fast prime? Uh, well, like <laughs> my guy, uh, it sounds like there's going to be an 85.14. And yeah. I'm pretty sure the 50 just doesn't do it enough for me. Um, as far as like competing with my 35, which I still use sure. almost for everything. Um okay. I just like a 35 the most. So yeah, I think to, sure. it, it would have to really compete with my 70 to 200, which an 85 would do that. Um, they are really, really hurting to have a good 85 millimeter. Um, and once I heard that they were potentially doing a 1.4 and not a 1.2, I knew I wanted it because it's going to be a reasonable price. It's not going to be $2,000 and it's going to be really wicked fast. Um, 
and rock solid. Yeah. Probably just zero aberration yeah. and no, you know, no fuss. Yeah. I can imagine that. And small, probably smaller and lighter. Yeah. You know, they've been doing that. Well, and like for me, a thirty-five and a fifty is not versatile, but a thirty-five and an eighty-five is everything no. I need to shoot everything I need. Period. Totally. Like that's yeah. just like I could take those two lenses into the another realm and be fine. So that's kind of already in my head. But mm. I think a twenty-four to fifty, a thirty-five one four, and an eighty-five one four is like banger. Um, so I really hope that it's sub one thousand because if it's sub one thousand, I'll probably buy it on launch. Um, it might not be. It might be ten ninety-eight. So I might wait and see if I get like a creator discount or something. But is there a precedent for for other GMs to be in that price range for that? I mean, it's kind of a unique lens, but is there something you can reference that's at that price point? So a twenty-four to fifty G, not G. I'm sorry. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be along the lines of the twenty-four and forty f two point five. Okay, so this is a G lens, not a GM G lens. G lens, not a GM lens. G lens that makes a whole lot more sense. Um, okay. Which is why I think like there's a potential for it to be like a really awesome eight hundred dollar lens. Absolutely, I'd lose my mind. Yeah. Like, and I like yeah. those primes. I think the 2.5 primes are great. They're super small. Um, I considered buying the 40 multiple times to have like a really small carry lens. Because um, yeah. like the, the 35 F1.4 is small, but it's not that small. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm excited to see this. At, at If anything, it's genuinely interesting to me. Um, I yeah. think for 24 to 50 is a lot of what I could use at work on a day-to-day, and I do believe it will be sharper than the contemporary 28-70 to 2.8 that we have from Sigma. Um, that's a, a good lens, but it's not a sure. great lens. Um, yeah. And I think a G 24-50 to would be pretty damn sharp. I think I'd, I'd probably mm-hmm. run with that a lot at work. I can see yeah. it. So I'm excited as hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, the very last thing is they're starting to say that very soon might be an X100 V X106 VI. Oh, and so they've been looking at, I mean, obviously there's a lot of freaking fuss around the X100 V from Fuji and again, not interchangeable lens. It's a a 35 equivalent. So it's a 23 mil lens F2. So it's like a F2.8. Is this the lineup that they can't keep in stock? Is this the one that just goes nuts? This is the one that people are selling for like $2,000, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's 300 more than the X100V is, so this is going to be a $1,600 camera. Yeah. But it's going to have a new film sim. It's going to have a, a handful of, um, I mean, all of this stuff is just like rumored, so it doesn't really matter, but it sounds like it's going to have like some pretty good video specs, which are interesting to me. Potentially a 6.2K option for OpenGate, um, which I imagine they'll do because it's the 40 megapixel sensor that they have in their X um, H series and their their uh, XT5, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, so it's going to have a much larger sensor. It's also made in China, which is interesting. So it's more expensive and made in China, um, which again a lot of stuff's made in china so i'm not going to just directly shit on that but it is but interesting. is that a first for fuji i think they're generally made in japan yes the x100s are i think they make them in-house i think i've seen video of them assembling yeah. you know in their headquarters right. yeah, yeah so i think they're generally yeah. made in fuji japan yeah. so this uh, that is interesting it's a big i wonder if it's only 
Partly. I wonder if they've sourced something new that has to come from China. Sure. I mean, and they, that could yeah. be the case. I mean, they were having issues with supply, right? So, like, yeah. what are they getting from there if it's assembled in Japan and then shipped out, whatever? Cool. Um, I'd be... Yeah, it could be some, some core component. Like, it could be the sensors. It could be it could be a number of things that it is significant enough that they have to say made in China, but I would bet more on a component is sourced from China and then assembled in Japan. For sure. It wouldn't be their sensors because they make their sensors, but, um, but yeah, I mean maybe a processor or something like that, or I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe literally buttons and stuff. It's just, or yeah, just the housing. It could definitely be. Yeah. They were like, we started sourcing metal from Asia or from China because it was just getting expensive. Um, at any rate, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't interested in this camera, uh, I'm not surprised. I've almost bought an X100V like seven times. Yeah. Um, I was pretty sure I was going to do the A93. And then I just kind of, it like wore off, like the excitement about it wore off um, because they started talking about like A7S4s and stuff like that. And I was like, ooh. I know. I'm not too surprised by that either. Um, so, but even then, I've, I've also been kind of just wanting to like, I've been scouring and waiting for like a, a A7S three to come up for like 2,400 bucks and I might just snipe it because I miss having the really high ISO for video in S log. And then I, yeah. I miss having the one twenty four K without a crop. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in my brain for what I want to do, but I'm, I'm fairly happy now that a lot of the work I'm doing is at work. The two a seven fours are, are great. Um, so I'm I'm more excited about maybe this glass and potentially picking up this Fuji just to like really explore stuff. Um, I've been shooting the Canon 5D a lot, but I was going to ask you about how that was going because I saw you were maybe trying to sell it. I think I'm I think I'm going to get it to my buddy uh, Skip. He's going to take it off my hands. Okay. Um, I got what I think I wanted from it. Oh. Um, what I thought was interesting, uh, I guess I can. I mean, the, some of this is going to be in the video when I eventually make it, but uh, like. I fell right back into shooting a Canon camera, how I always had. Uh, once I had the OVF again and stuff, I, you know, especially with that older camera, it was center point. That was it. And focus recompose. And then I just, as fast as I would normally be, focus recompose, blah, 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 shoot my stuff. Um, yeah. That camera is really interesting because it's not scary to shoot it at max ISO. Um, it's kind of. What's its max? 1600. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And so like I'm at 800 and 1600 a lot because that's really standard for what I'm shooting on my Sony. Like I, I shoot outdoors during the day at 1600, 2000 to have my shutter speed where I want it for work. That's and what I did today. And they're perfectly clean. Um, yep. So it's interesting, like the, the noise and stuff on it, there's, there's, some, there's some nice stuff to that sensor. It looks really good. Um, it's been yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and then after I realized that that's really cool, that's it. Uh, there's no. How do those? Sorry. Sorry. How do how do those files handle if you have to um, adjust? You know, in post at sixteen hundred. Uh, I mean, they fall apart fast. But if yeah, you get okay. if you get close to your exposure, how you want it, um, the highlights you're done. Um, you you have to underexpose because um, sure. like your highlights are going to just be white pixels very very quickly. Um, but I've recovered a decent amount of shadow and, you know, lean into the grain a little bit, maybe add a little bit in uh, Lightroom as well. And it's, they're fun. Like <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll throw some up, some, just some shots that I've taken recently with them. But, 
Um, okay. So like I'm kind of over that, and I I want something that not necessarily small because I don't care about the size as long as it's the size of a DSLR and has a flatter lens. Um, that's all I kind of need. But I want something that has quality. I want to be able to like know that if I want to shoot a video clip, it's going to be as good as I could possibly want it to be. Um, for like whatever content or whatever I'm doing, like if I'm traveling and I have one camera, um, I have a buddy in the industry who travels to Japan and, and Korea and stuff a lot. And sometimes like, well, he is like a Leica Q and stuff like that. Sure. But sometimes he just takes the Fuji and uh, it, it's everything that he needs. And that's cool to me. I mean, it's a 35 mil yeah. equivalent. So I'm comfortable with that. Um, yeah. And it's sub $2,000. I guess at the end of the day, if you can tell the story with whatever you've got, you know, you can make, you can make success you yeah. know, out of whatever you, if it was anything but a 35 mil, I would be worried about using it as my only camera, but it's what I use. I literally just carry around my a seven four with a 35 mil G master. It's not going to be as fast, but like that's, I've been, I've been playing with that more. I'm between F two yeah. and F five, six all the time. Um, cause I don't want shallow stuff. I need you to see everything. Um, I want it to be sharp, things like that. So it's it's interesting. I think this could be potentially one of the cameras that I just buy because I know I'll be able to get rid of it if I just don't like it. But I want to give it a good go. I, uh, much like sure. I'm doing with work where at work, uh, it's unimportant, but we're using one gun system, like one pistol, and we're training really hard with that all year. We're not going to just like jump around sure. from a bunch of different things. Um, I think getting that and then if I'm doing stuff that's not for work, not needing all the big lenses, have a 35 and just t try to tell stories like that. And then when I'm doing work stuff and I need it to be better, I can do that. Hmm. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. Cool. At any rate, it'll stir up a lot of mess online. So it'll be fun to watch, but <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. And it will continue to, cause that's how Fuji and those, that camera lineup has been for years now. Yeah. And it's only worse yeah. now because people, it's like, it's like <laughs> unobtainium that people just desire. So yeah. Yeah. Like it didn't help the Q3 coming out really solidified the like fixed lens. Cool guy. I, I have you seen my X 100 V there was a while there where I, I wondered, I think most people wondered, is this trend going to die? Is this, you know, is the, is this going to be able to keep up? with everything else that's going on in the mirrorless space in the race to the best to the top with like Nikon and Sony and all their stuff. Clearly it's not going anywhere. It's definitely kept up. Yeah. Um, there's a couple brands out there that I'm still like, I wonder if they're going to be doing like Pentax. Uh, what's the other Rico? Like they make some interesting point and shoots and, and Pentax still, I think put out a DSLR. Am I right yeah. about that? They did like a monochrome um, version so like, too. Yeah. So they're doing some things. I don't know if anybody's really calling them interesting. I think people who are really into the super discreet uh, point and shoots, Rico has something for that person. Dude, the, the um, Rico GR3X, people love that camera. Okay, like the yeah. photography group that I'm on in Discord that's in like the guitar pedal space, like all of those dudes ended up getting one. They all love it. Even the ones that shoot film, some of the guys that have submitted photos on our photo share, they got it and they love that damn thing. Because it truly wow. fits in your front pocket of your pants. And, you know, it's got like, I think it has like a 40 mil on it or something like that. And it's, uh, you know, um, what zone focus or whatever that that is, whatever that. Yeah. And it just does the thing. And people really like the images from it. I've seen some incredible stuff come out of it. 
Um, oh, interesting. So like, as far as that style, but yeah, that's my point. Basically, like that 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 um, format, that physical format, it's here to stay. Yeah, you know? I I truly don't like looking at mobile phone photos. You still, unless you are really good and you're like, I'm doing photography on a mobile phone, they still look 10 years old to me. Like, cause normal people don't know what they're doing. Like their Instagram stories and stuff look like crap. They're that with their filter. It's bad. But when you see somebody do like good stuff, like they're like, Hey, this is like, you know, you, you know, when one of your buddies is like a closeted camera nerd, cause they're posting like their kids or whatever. And you're like, these are beautiful. You just right. put up like 10 photos in your story and they're magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I love that. I think that's great. I, I actually like looking at people's like random photos when they are quality, when they look good and they're like normal people I actually know. I stop and I Absolutely. look at them. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, that's all I have for you guys. That's the show. Yeah. This is the end of season one, episode one. We're going to start off a new year. We did 30 episodes last year. I'm very proud of what we did last year. It was really cool. Me too. Um, we like literally barely planned the beginning of it, and we're like, let's just see what happens. And uh, good chunky guys like it. Um, we'll we'll try to shake it up a little bit and and kind of do some wild stuff, and we'll see where it goes. But uh, you know, yeah. check us out on Spotify if you're listening on YouTube and you see my stupid face. Uh, we're also on like Apple and Google and all whatever they are. Sorry, they don't even do Google Podcasts or whatever anymore. But um. oh, <laughs> April! I have until April <laughs> to switch. Okay, I'm hanging on. <laughs> so, whatever your <laughs> podcast is, I think it pretty much is on there. Um, the Light Over Time yeah. podcast with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. So, thanks for listening. Leave us some comments. Again, this whole thing is for David and I to have conversations. Um, It'll probably be like bi-weekly or we're going to schedule times. It's not going to be like as consistent, but we're going to try to be consistent if that makes sense. So uh, it's about talking with y'all and sharing some ideas and motivating each other and telling dope stories. Yeah. Thanks for hanging in there with us while we took our little break. Um, I appreciate it because I know I have a lot of stuff to get handled. I'm finally starting to feel settled in a little bit. And so we're going to start making these, you know, like we said, bi-weekly. So starting to like schedule in time to be focusing on this so that I actually don't lose any of it. You know, it's going to be there for me. I'm going to make time for it and it's going to be great. Yeah, it's a good time. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you when we do another one. Thanks, guys. See ya.